Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to watch more analysis of the stocks in this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the market report videos under the Learning Center. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to this week's Australian Stock Market Report. Now this week we'll look at the retail traders' frenzy around GameStop and silver. And once again, retail investors are following the herd. But not everything they touch is turning to gold. Then we'll get into the Australian stock market so I can share with you my thoughts on where it's heading along with answering all of your questions and looking at the stocks that you've chosen for me. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Before we move on, thank you for showing your support for our channel and hitting that subscribe button. Now remember, as you subscribe, click the bell on the right of it so you keep up to date with our latest videos. Also remember to tune into our live Australian stock market show every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Time. Now this is the show where you get to ask us, the stock market education and trading experts, to look at your favorite stocks and answer all of your most burning questions. Now almost two weeks ago, we saw a significant display of herd mentality as masses of retail investors were buying on emotions and in doing so, pushing up the price of US stock GameStop. Now this week, retail investors turned their emotions and attention to silver, attempting to push this commodity of miners and the commodity to unprecedented highs. Now last weekend, there were many posts on videos and in social media chat platforms encouraging people to buy a big on silver and silver stocks. These social media sites were alleging that silver was the Nets short squeeze to disrupt hedge funds and so were urging investors to jump on board what was seemingly another big winner like GameStop had been the prior week. Investors responded from their weekend of digesting this information on Monday the 1st of February Well, they bought silver which rose to a high of $28.60 US dollars per ounce due to high demand. Now retail traders were rushing to grab a bargain like shoppers outside my during Boxing Day sales. However, silver is not a stock and traded on a different market and so will not act like one. The price of silver quickly retreated on Tuesday the 2nd of February to trade lower than it had opened on the Monday, and by the 4th of February had fallen to $26.33 US dollars an ounce. Now silver is still trading at $27 US dollars per ounce, therefore retail investors are most likely holding onto losses and wondering what occurred. Many Australians trying to get in hoping to make it big were blindly buying silver stocks unaware of the risk they were taking. Now, if we consider Australian silver miners outside of S32, the majority are very small. 
For example, Golden Deep, one of the biggest movers in the latest Dash for Cash by retail traders, only traded 120 million shares on Monday, the 1st of February, at around one cent, meaning $1.2 million of the stock was traded on that day. However, on a normal trading day, typically one to two million shares are traded in this stock, which is equivalent to 10 to $20,000 of turnover on GED. So what happened with GameStop? Well, last week it fell over 80% from where it closed the week before, with most of the selling in the last two days of the week as investors who had bought the prior week panic sold the stock down as it was highly likely that they were losing money. While I appreciate the desire to make money, there are always those who like to chase rainbows hoping to find that elusive pot of gold, which is why lotteries are so popular. However, unlike the lottery where you only pay a few dollars for a ticket, those who chase rainbows in the stock market typically lose thousands of dollars and sometimes much more. And the events of the last two weeks are proof of that. Reading chat forums or watching YouTube videos hoping to find the next big winner is a pursuit that generally results in the opposite occurring. And rather than being the master of the market, many become another statistic. When it comes to the stock market, the rules do not change and those who choose to ignore them do so at their own peril. And my advice is do not invest in something you do not know or understand. Always do your research so you know why you're buying and always ensure you have an exit strategy. Finally, yet just as important, avoid following the herd at all costs. Blindly following someone else's recommendations or taking action on hot tips has always been and will always be high risk akin to more gambling than smart investing. So what were the best and worst performing sectors last week? Well, the information technology sector rose strongly on Friday, making it the best performing sector up 6.05% for the week. Next was the financial services sector, just behind rising 5.66%, and consumer discretionary, that was up 4.43% for the week. Now, the worst performing sectors included utilities, which was down 1.01%, followed by consumer staples up 0.47%, and materials up 1.92% for the week. The best performers in the S&P ASX top 100 stocks, well, they included Tabcorp Holdings, which was up 15.04%, on news of a potential buyout from a UK betting company. Nine Entertainment Group was also up rising strongly, 13.28%, continuing its strong run of the past year, which has seen the stock rise over 200%. Now, Borrell also rose up strongly, 13.02%. The worst performers last week, they included Worley Parsons, and that was down 8.32%, followed by Northern Star Resources, down 7.63% and Origin Energy. That was down over 4.43%. So what do I expect in the market moving forward? Well, let's get into the charts for our S&P 500 All Ordinaries Index update for this week. We'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks that you've chosen for me. Well, it wasn't last week interesting. It didn't actually do what I expected. I did, in my last report, I did expect to see the market fall down for at least one more week, possibly two before rising up for the next few months but uh, the market did what it always does and that's what it always wants to do and uh, whilst we may do all our analysis and make our assumptions on base based on what we might think a stock or market will do in the end it is up to the market and the stock to do it and then they don't necessarily have to listen to us but let's go and have a look at the chart to see exactly what happened now on the screen is a weekly chart 
which is the same chart I used last week. And looking at last week's bar, you can see here, big blue bar there, it opened there at 6870. Traded down, now I'll go onto the daily chart just to show exactly what happened Monday. It opened, it traded all the way down on Monday morning. It was doing what I thought it was going to do. I was expecting, as I said, another at least one more week down in the market but later in the day the market just turned and it closed on its high so it opened at 6870 and closed at 6922 so technically a very much a down day tuesday went up wednesday went up strongly thursday was down and friday went up strongly again to close slightly higher than it did a couple of days earlier there so closed at 7112 um, just above that. Uh, so and there was a high 7116 on the Wednesday. So be interesting to see, but it's much higher than the high from the previous Monday, 7118. So we're seeing there we have broken through that. No, we haven't. 7118 um, and 712. Yeah, we did break through that on Friday. So we broke through the high of the previous week. Let's go back onto the weekly chart now. This is really causing me to have a real think about what's happening in the market at this point in time. I did want it to come down a bit lower. Now, if I just use my trend line tool, I was hoping the market would come down, sort of down into here, and then that would give us a springboard to rise up for the next few months. So ease back a little bit, get down to sort of 6,500 or below 6,500 points and ease back. But what we're seeing now is possibly a bigger move happening here because we're not easing off here, we'll get a bigger move down later on. So what I mean by that is we'll probably see a move up from here, um, up somewhere, up into this sort of area, 75, 76, maybe even 7,700 points. We'll see that over the next sort of four weeks, possibly a little bit longer, and then it'll come down into a bigger move. So we'll see a bigger movement down. Um, and that's why I wanted the market to come off a little bit earlier. So then we'll see a bigger move down, possibly down into April, May in that sort of area. So I don't think this move is going to be a long move up. Uh, I think it's going to be short and sharp over the next four to six weeks-ish um, and then come down into a bigger move here. As I said, I had preferred it to come down a little bit more here and that means the next move up would have been a little bit more sustainable through more of the year. So again, expecting a little bit more volatility at this point in time, expect the market to um, be a little bit um, emotional. We've seen that over the past couple of weeks with emotional trading going on. So this is possibly what's causing this at the moment. As I said, um, it's likely to, this is the previous all-time high back there in February 2020, which was only a, nearly a year ago. Now that high was 6289.7 points. We're not too far off that at this point in time. If I go and use my price tool, wherever it is, you'll see here from that high to the high we've just had is only like a couple of percent. So we will break that fairly soon. Um, and possibly even break that this week because we this move, move last week was over three around 3% last week our market moved up. So it's possible we could move through this dotted line through that previous all-time high and move up into that sort of 75, 76, possibly 7,700 points before falling away into the next major low. Again, I don't think this is going to be a long-term move. So if you've got a long-term thinking in your mind, then just be a little bit more careful. Um, I think this is a little bit more for a short-term trade, but generally a little bit more, I won't say higher risk, but you need to be prepared to exit if the market does turn against you. So that's my take on the market at the moment. I know Janine and I are, um, are thinking now that that's more likely to happen now that the market will rise up through to probably late into, into March, possibly late March, uh, before coming down into April, possibly even into May, but it may turn a little bit earlier. So just be prepared. It 
it may turn a little bit earlier than expected and be ready to exit stocks because uh, I said this fall will be larger than what this one was supposed to be. Uh, and that's the only thing I'm a little bit worried about. But that's it. Let's now go into our questions for this week that you've given for me. Right, now the first question we have today is from Holden736. He says, hi Dale, thanks for the awesome contact. Uh, would you be able to review Wally and your thoughts on it for 2021? Cheers and keep up the good work. So let's go and have a look at Wally. It's on my screen right now. Um, looking at Wally, I mean, you don't tell me whether you buy it or you own it or you don't own it. Wally's a little bit more of a volatile type of stock. As you can see, last few weeks it's been down, even with last week being more bullish on our market, Wally is down. But if we take a look at the monthly chart, you'll see how more um, how more volatile this stock is. Make some big moves up and big moves down. And I'll go back even further looking at the big picture. And you can see that this stock, you know, you could have bought it way back in you know, 2005, but basically the same price it's trading now. This is a trader's stock. It's not necessarily a buy and hold stock, as you can see there. But in periods of time, it will make some really, really good money. If I put a nice little tool on here, you can see from that low, in 2016 to the high in 2018, it made 609%. So it does do well if you get onto this stock and uh, make some, uh, get a good entry into it and you enjoy the ride. But this more recent move here from March last year to there, that was 202.59%. So you can see it can really move when it does take off. Right now, you've got to determine whether its move is going up or down. And right now, you need to assume, given it's fallen away, that's its high there. Uh, that we saw in November last year. It's fallen quite heavily from that high. If we put my little tool on that, you can see currently, uh, as of last week, it had fallen 31% and was down 25%. So I can understand people wanting to get onto this stock because they think it's cheaper, you know, and possibly bargain hunting, etc. But right now is not the time to be on Wally. I'd like to see it give me some sort of um, sign that it's finding some support. I'd like to give it some sign that it's starting to move up, but I would jump on this. I do like this stock, but I just think it's probably a little bit too early. What I would suggest, it's probably going to find some support somewhere around this sort of area, um, but it may not. So just look and see what happens this week. If we do get some strength um, above that $9 area and it starts to move up, don't jump early. That's probably my easiest tip is don't really jump in and just try and buy it thinking, it stopped falling, wait for it to start to move up because when it does move up, there's plenty of upside on this stock. But right now, just be a little bit more careful. Don't sort of, as I said, don't try and um, catch a falling knife because it is possible it will keep falling away um, a little bit further and it'll possibly go below that $9 mark. So again, so wait for it to find some support determine what your entry rule is. But again, it's not a long-term buy and hold play, this one. It's something that you might hold for three, six months or even 12 months or more, but just make sure you've got a good entry um, signal on that and a good exit signal on that and you manage it properly. But thanks for the question. As I said, I do like that stock. Now, the next question we have is from the, fa the Fatty Boomba, who says, hi, Dale, what's your opinion on having asset allocation between stocks and bonds? Do you think the Australian bond market is looking good and would you suggest any particular ratio for 2021? Jeez, oh, I don't really study bonds uh, and, and that's probably just an easy preference. I really don't study bonds, I don't find them. In low interest rate environments, bonds aren't necessarily a great investment. They were really good back in the 80s and in the 90s when you had some really high interest rates and you had, you could trade the bonds as well. <coughs> Excuse me. 
where if the interest rates were coming down, you could sell the bond for more than its face value, those sorts of things. But if you want regular income and you've got to, and the income that the bond is yielding is something that you want. I mean, I know when I used to work in the banks, uh, when I was a young boy, I used to have always people coming with bond coupons and, and for their interest, etc. If you do get one with a good interest rate and you're happy with it, that's fine. But I don't get into asset allocation in bonds. I'm a stock market specialist. I'll talk about asset allocation within stocks, but not necessarily between the markets. If you really do want to get some good advice on there, there's some great websites out there where you can look at all the bonds and get information on them and what's best for you. But to me, it goes back to the, what's the purpose of having bonds? Do you want a capital guarantee for your investment? And if that's the case, then if you're getting a better interest rate on a bond than you are on a term deposit, which is probably likely, uh, then I don't have an issue with you buying into bonds. If you think the market is too volatile and it's high risky, the stock market, then you may have more of an allocation into bonds than you would normally. But I don't think that's the case. I think right now with low interest rates, I think money's still going to keep pushing into the stock market and make it higher while interest rates are low because where do you get your best bang from the buck at the moment? And you're looking at some of these big stocks that Janine and I talk about in our live show where some of those stocks are paying very good dividend yields and their dividend yields are higher than some of the interest rates you're getting whether it's bonds or whether you're getting turned deposits or bank bills or whatever that is you're getting better returns on the stock market into returns of dividend than you are out of interest products so again really up to you how you balance out your portfolio or your asset allocation but in my mind you know probably you're probably better waiting for a little bit more aggressive assets like stocks um, but again, I don't know how old you are. I can't give you financial advice simply because of all of that. It's not just as simple as how much should I have of this or that. And you need to look at the bigger picture of what your goal is, what you're wanting to do, your age, a whole range of other factors. So, But I would suggest go and see a good financial advisor and they'll be able to help you out for that one anyway. But really good question and thank you for sending that one in. But next we have a question from Joel who says, Hi team, thanks for the great show. After being a victim of the greediness factor and losing capital in small caps, I decided to stick to trading the top 150 stocks as one of my new rules. And I think I can recognize movements and patterns on BPT or Beach Petroleum for short-term trade opportunities, forming higher highs since COVID and historically gaining an average of 40% when it moves up. Your feedback on this would be much appreciated. Many thanks, Joel. So let's go and have a look at Beach Petroleum and just see what Joel's actually talking about. Now, I'll just bring it up on the screen so you can see. Now, I need to be careful when I answer this because some people say historically, he's saying historically it moves up 40%, but what is historical? Because I've got historical data back to 19, sorry, 18, 19, 1985, if I can say that correctly. So I don't know whether Joel studied this whole history of this whole stock. Um, and again, like uh, Wally, this is not a long-term stock. This is not a long-term buy and hold. It's very much a cyclical stock. Beach Petroleum, obviously, energy stock, energy prices rise and fall, very much more cyclical. Wally is involved in, obviously, the mining area, so therefore that's why it's a little bit more cyclical. Um, but you can see how Beach Petroleum actually does have some really, really nice runs. But keeping things in context, if, he, if Joel said to me, Hey, look, that's up nearly 500% from July 2004 to 2006. So when it, what is short-term? Some people's version of short-term is days. Some people's version of short-term is months. Some people's versions of short-term is a few years. Um, some financial planners think anything less than five years is short-term. All of those moves is 100%. So I'm not exactly sure the context that you're talking about. 
Um, but looking at this monthly chart, it is worth it. It is looking good at this point in time. If I go more recently, the moves recently, we can see these two moves up that we've had here. Looking at both of those from the COVID low to that high, there's 97%. So I haven't found one that's 40% in these shorter term moves. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying both of these moves, are, well, that one's nearly 80% or 76% and 97%. So it's looking good at the moment. These moves through here on the monthly chart, let's look at a couple of those, bring those up. Both of those are massive moves. So it does move very, very well when it does move. But again, it's about doing proper research on this and making sure you've got good buy and sell rules because if this thing is moving, it's moved very, very well. Now, I'll just put one more on on this current move up. What is, to me, it's really about what is your entry. All of these moves are, are way more than 70%, 40%. So I'm not sure how you're basing your rules, but what you're doing is cutting, is, is if you're looking at getting 40% and getting out, then you could be losing a lot of the, pro leaving a lot of safe profit on the table, but it's about what is your rule to get in, what is your rule to get out, and, and I'm trying to figure out where you are looking, looking higher tops and higher bottoms and how you're actually doing it. That's a little bit, how do I say it, without being rude to you, it's oversimplistic type of way you're looking at it at this point in time. The Worley Parsons does need some really good rules on it, not just it's making a higher high or making a higher low and, and then jumping into it. I think you've started the process, you've started looking at some stuff like it's moving 40%, but again, it, it's really, really critical you get your entry right on this in the right time because it does move very, very well. But to me, short term on this could be three to six months, not three to six days or three to six weeks. That This is a good stock. It's looking really Really good at the moment it possibly has found some support and may rise up but again my question is is when are you going to get in or how are you going to get in what rules you're going to use what rules you're going to use to manage it and how are you going to exit it have you got solid rules around all of that but good on you for giving it a go and that's what I really appreciate that you've given it an effort I think you need to do a lot more work though um, to, to solidify up your plan because I think it's still a little bit lightweight if that makes sense but anyway Thank you very much for asking the question. Now, last week I did ask you a question and then uh, do you think ramping stocks on social media platforms should be allowed or not and why? And we had a lot of comment, comments on, um, on our comment section, both for and against. Now, I wanted to share with you two thoughts that I thought were particularly good but, uh, and I'll, I'll read them out to you in a second. But I've had people saying, well, you know, it's just freedom of speech, but it was just and I've had other people saying, well, it shouldn't be allowed because people are ramping things on false news and those sorts of things. And they are. And that's the thing is, but and other people saying, well, the big end of town are doing it all of the time. So why can't we get back out of it? But there does have there's a balance between overregulation and underregulation. And it happens more on the US market. But if you've got people on chat forums who are talking about stocks for the sole purpose of getting other people into it in that one more full theory to saying, hey, you've got to buy this stock. And a lot of them aren't giving solid information and education or factual stuff about it. They're just going to say, I think ABC stock's going to go up 1,000% in the next month. So their sole purpose is not to inform people, it's just to get them to buy the stock. So, and, and if that's enticing people to buy into those stocks and, then, and they lose money, then I think there's some accountability that has to be happen and has to be, you know, as a, as a professional myself, I can't do that. I have an Australian financial services license and I'm under very heavy strict um, criteria about what I can say, what I can't say, what I can do and how I deal with people in a fair manner. So why shouldn't every Australian citizen be under those same rules, regardless of whether they've got an AFSL license or not? 
And that's really my comment on that. And I think chat forums, there's a lot of stuff going on chat forums that contradicts what our laws are in this country and people are making money out of it. But the thing is with ASIC, they don't have enough time to police all of this sort of stuff. And I think we do need to make sure there's some balance there so that too many people are losing too much money and they're losing it to the big end of town. Now, I do disagree with some comments that there were on there. Some people were saying, well, you know, on chat forums, professionals are there and everything else. No, they're not. The only time a professional would be on a chat forum is if they wanted to ramp a stock. Um, for their benefit. So stockbrokers, those sorts of things, they might put tips in there, but you probably wouldn't see them in their own names anyway. Uh, as a professional trader, I don't go anywhere near chat forums and I'd never met a professional trader that goes anywhere near chat forums because it just wastes our time. We're very much, much more solitary people where we look at our own research, do our own thing. We don't participate in chat forums because it takes up our time that we could be doing stuff for ourselves and for our own clients. And that's really the point is spending a lot of time on chat forums is not something professional traders and great traders generally do. Um, but you do get some people who are more, um, how do I say it, narcissists who love that attention. So there are some of those people out there. But anyway, I won't get into that too much, but I'll get into a couple of comments that you made. And one of them was from Andrew who says, Wealth Within saw this with GME or GameStock after I had a chat with my accountant last week and he gave me the heads up on this. So funny to see it happening live when I had only read about this happening before with different exchanges or even similar trading codes being mistaken. You can even see the oh shit moment um, in the curve of GME on the ASX once they realise their mistake. Lulz, the silver will be the next interesting action to watch. It has been undervalued for a long time. Now, based on how much of this has been mined, how much is remaining in the ground, and it's just industrial use in technology, renewable sector, etc., compared to gold, and with a Reddit pump on it, expected to happen this week. I'm interested to see if it lasts to some degree after some pullback, post, or pump. Um, and after it just crashes back down to current levels. Um, and again, that sort of, uh, sort of sums it up in terms of what I was talking about with silver earlier in my report saying there was all these posts and this person had obviously seen some of that about silver going up, but it really was a non-event. And so, and they saw the last couple of weeks really just a sh big sign of herd mentality and what's going on in the marketplace and why you really need to understand what you are doing and how you're doing it not just blindly following different people. Now, the next one we've got is from David who, um, David who says, GameStop is no different to any penny dreadful stock that spikes after long periods of decline and then gets ramped up on chat lines. Um, it's happened time and time again. Anyone who uses chat forums to pick stocks is playing gambling and makes decisions not based on either technical or fundamental criteria, may as well go to the casino. Um, but again, there are some people out there who are very similar to me. It's always, I've never invested in something I don't understand, and, I, and that's why I say to people, don't ever do that. Just blindly following somebody else's recommendations or chat forums is not a solid way to, to actually make consistent money on the stock market and should be avoided. There is no substitute for understanding and there's no substitute for knowledge and education and learning how to do it for yourself. It's not hard. And you know, and I heard a story yesterday about some people follow, being on a platform where they just followed the best traders on that platform, the best retail or other users of that platform blindly whatever and they just followed whatever their trades were it would automatically place their trades for on the same as the person that they were following and that following that person went rogue over a 24-hour period and blew up their whole account and he blew up lots of clients accounts at the same time and again 
be very careful out there what you're doing there, making sure you understand why you're buying, you understand how to manage it, and you understand why you'd be selling it. And that's the way you protect yourself and your money. Um, but do thank you for sharing all your answers and all your comment sections for over the last week. It has been a great time for chatting and really bring up some of these issues that we see in the market now. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer, please just stick them below in our chat. But let me ask you another question. How do you find stocks to buy? Do you, number one, do you own do your own independent research? Or two, do you subscribe to a stock recommendation service or get recommendations from a broker? Or three, do you follow tips on social media? Now put your answers below. Just let's see where you get your um, buys and sells from. Now remember, that here on this channel, we do these Monday market reports each and every single week. We also do a live stream every Tuesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Time. So hit that subscribe button now. Click the bell on the right of it so you know when we update or upload our videos and we go live. For now, I'm Dale Gillum. Goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.